The Lord be with you and also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be We gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily this fourth Sunday of Advent are offered in the praise of God for our congregation within Marsh Chapel, here for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst. And as the Spirit moves, your presence here with us come Sunday. We gather in worship in the spirit of one who wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. The righteous shall live by faith. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. We pause now to await peace. We pause now to await pardon. We pause to await God's peace. We pause to await God's pardon as the choir guides us in singing the Kyrie. Let us pray. good news. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. Chapter 7 verses 10 through 16. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, that it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, it is too litter for you to weary mortals, that you weary my God also. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look. The young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles and for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome, who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively from Psalm 80 with the Antiphon. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. You who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. In the presence of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon those of your right hand, the ones whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. <coughs> And 
now, brothers and sisters, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Late one night a few years ago, snow was falling lightly in the far north along the St. Lawrence. They know snow there along the river bank. Coming over the border from Canada and down south from the river, one enters a barren, flat land. At 1 a.m. on this winter night, the residents of little country towns, Alexandria Bay, Clayton, Lafargeville, are asleep. The dark moonscape surrounding the road, pockmarked with valleys and an occasional farmhouse, lies silent. Fallow northern fields, farms, all dead or quiet. These fallow northern fields lie strange and difficult and stern in the moonlight, with pelting flakes covering the windshield and darkening the moon. Nature makes a seamless shroud blacker than a hundred midnights down at a cypress swamp. To step aside from the world of our own doing puts us out into the dark, the scene of angels, angels. To find ourselves outside the world of our control and comfort puts us out into the cold moonlight, the place of the uncanny, strange and unfamiliar territory. A return to church can be such a place. A sudden diagnosis can be such a place. An unplanned revisit to an old anger can be such a place. Loss of breath can be such a place. Sometimes things end badly. That is why they end. Sometimes things end badly. Therein lie the condition cause, the symptom, the root of the ending itself. A shooting war on the ground, not from the technological safety of many thousand feet, but in Syria, say, or the Ukraine, say, can be such a place. Beyond the stream that imports information, sustenance, and camaraderie into our homes and lives, there is this abiding darkness. It is a wondrous darkness for all its unfamiliarity away from the blue haze of the computer screen. Here the lights of the city, the comfort of urban dwellers, are for once shrouded and shadowed. To step aside from the world of our own doing puts us out in the dark, the scene of angels, angels. Here is the good news of Advent, an angel voice announces Jesus Christ in this darkness, the grace of Almighty God. What of Matthew? Our lectionary leads us through St. Matthew this year, so let us carefully take an attentive look at the gospel of Jesus Christ announced in Matthew, whose birth is accounted in this first chapter, which includes the first sermon in Matthew. It is good Advent exercise. In the quiet breathing space of December, may we listen again for the true, the good, the right, the lasting. The birth of Jesus happened in this way. <coughs> How quick we are to speak, to stare, to decide, to judge, to know, or to think we know. 
One teacher said to one student, your abundant knowledge stands in the way of your real education. I was glad for the advice. How firm, much too firm, is our ostensible grasp of the ineffable, the wondrous, the real. Our reverence, unlike that of the Holy Scripture, too often lacks the discomfort of travel, the fear of the unknown, the quaking before angels, the conception of, let alone by, the Holy Spirit. Kings, shepherds, Joseph and Mary, look out a few weeks. If we are not careful, it all becomes so familiar, so cozy, and the newer habits of casual worship near and far do not help. No. By angel voice, the scripture tells another story. Unlike the series of familiar events which make up our habituated re rehearsal of the season, the Bible tells a strange story, a difficult story, even a stern story. This may help us more than all manner of cozy familiarity, if only to engage us when at last or at first we realize that it has never been easy to lead a Christian life. Such a life as Ernest Fremont Tyndall constantly repeated is meant for heroes and heroines. As Thurman said, a crown to grow into. Listen to this unfamiliar account. A virgin is with child. A husband who is no husband resolves not to take revenge. An angel appears in a dream. The angel in the dream interprets the scripture. The man obeys an angel voice. The man further accepts the angel's name for what his wife, not yet truly a wife, conceives. A virgin birth, a resolute husband, an angel voice, a trusting woman, a name transmitted in a dream. This is strange, unfamiliar territory. We do not live in a world of virgin births, resolute husbands, angel voices, trusting dreamers, or names dropped from on high. Our world is rather, we prefer to think, the world of our own choices, our own creation. We have left St. Luke now to follow the trail of Jesus' life, death, and destiny this year in another different, strange gospel, the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew relies on Mark and then also on a teaching document called Q, along with Matthew's own particular material, of which our reading today is an example. He has divided his gospel into five sequential parts, a careful pedagogical rendering befitting his traditional role as teacher in contrast to Luke, the physician, whose interest was history. We have moved from history to religion, from narrative to doctrine. Matthew is ordering the meaning of the history of the gospel, while Luke is ordering the history of the meaning of the gospel. You have moved from the history department to the religion department, this year. Matthew has his own perspective. <coughs> Some of that perspective involves a developing and a developed Christology, an understanding of the Christ. For Matthew, the birth narrative conveys the proper ordering 
of the meaning of the history of the gospel. And birth narratives still matter. Who is he? Where did he come from? Who are his parents? Who are his people? Who formed him? He who now forms us. And some, or much of it, in Matthew, involves the law, as we shall see this year. It will be a good year to listen through scripture regarding law. You have missed having read the earlier part, the first half of Matthew 1, the generations from Adam to Christ. These are found before our reading, 14 by 14 by 14 are the generations, from Adam to David, from David to Babylon, from Babylon to Christ. They run from Abraham to Joseph, who was betrothed to Mary, to Joseph, to and through Joseph. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Tamar, Aminadab, Boaz, Ruth, Jesse, David, Solomon, Uriah, Rehoboam, Jehoshaphat, Amos, Josiah, Jeconiah, Zerubbabel, Zadok, Eleazar, Matan, Jacob, Joseph. <clears throat> Every one of these names earlier in chapter 1 is worth a full sermon. We could start together next week. Matthew 1 tells of the birth of Christ. Jesus Christ, though a later scribe dropped Jesus just here, yet most texts hold to it, to move Matthew a little more away from Luke, pushing religion away from history, you could say. The freedom we have to interpret the gospel for ourselves and our time begins with the gospels themselves. Each is different from the others. John is magnificently the most different of them all, the most sublime, mysterious, divine. Matthew tells of the birth of Christ. Then he will tell of the teaching of Christ. Then he will tell of the healing of Christ. Then he will tell of the cross of Christ. Then cometh resurrection. In five moves he is teaching us, Matthew, the teacher. Matthew orders the meaning of history as Luke orders the history of meaning. Matthew orders the meaning of history as Luke orders the history of meaning. It is fitting that the first sermon, the first interpretation in the Gospel of Matthew, which we're going to follow this year, is offered by an angel. What other voice would be fit to herald such news? Yes, an angel. How strange this account appears when carefully approached. The angel interprets the prophet Isaiah. Because his sermon purports to tell us about the meaning of Advent, and so, and this is the magisterial claim, about the meaning of life, we shall want to bear down quietly and listen. Now, Isaiah had said that the child should be called Emmanuel, or God with us, God present, present, Emmanuel, come Emmanuel. How could any sermon, any interpretation, even by an angel, fathom this? Matthew is apparently fighting on two fronts, both against the fundamental conservatives to the right and against the spiritual radicals to the left. In Matthew, gospel ever trumps tradition as in Paul, but tradition itself is a bulwark 
to defend the gospel, as in Timothy. Matthew is trying to guide his part of the early church between the skilla of the tightly tethered and the charybdis of the tetherless. The people who raised us decades ago, in the dark, in the snows of those midnight blackened towns along the train tracks of the Lakeshore Limited, Albany to Buffalo and on to Chicago, they knew this quite well. That is, with Matthew, they wanted to order the meaning of the history of the gospel. And they aspired to do so by opposition to indecency and opposition to indifference. And they attempted to do so by attention to conscience and attention to compassion. Matthew emphasizes the role of law, of the laws, of law. And what of meaning in Matthew? In the birth, it is the cradle we most need to notice. The wood of the cradle by which Christ is born is of a type with the wood of the cross by which Christ is crucified. Born to give us second birth, the birth of spirit, soul, mind, heart, will, love, faith. Born to give us second birth. Is one birth not enough? No. You are meant for two. You are meant to live in faith, to lead a life of loving friendship, to wake up in the morning to the sunshine, the light of God. You are meant to walk in the light. Walk in the light. For this, you need to hear a word spoken from faith to faith and to receive the second birth. Christmas as a cultural break provides a seam, an opening for grace, both apart from religion and as a part of religion. You are given the light of God to rest in your hearts, to illumine your hearts and minds, to give you peace and hope all through the coming year. Peace and hope through the coming year. We shall need some of that in 2020. We shall need that courage this coming year. A student who read Genesis and Matthew for the first time said, this is so different from the way we think. No one is that awestruck by God. And the polls confirm it. 90% of our people believe in God. As in 1952, so soon in 2020, it shall be fashionable to profess this general belief. God is with us. The pantheist, the spiritualist, the nationalist, the literalist, and many a Methodist can agree. How easily is such a belief celebrated? Too easily, God with us. In nature, in the occult, in the homeland, in the Bible, in the religious organization, God is with us. A tidy tale. 
God is all and everywhere with us, Emmanuel. We find God whenever and wherever. Audubon, McLean, Jefferson, Jerome, and Marsh Chapel equally serve as guides. God in trees and dreams, in politics and writings and religion. God is everywhere. God is with us. His name shall be called Emmanuel. This we find familiar and cozy. But the angel voice says otherwise. The angel gives another name. Read, hear the account as represented by Matthew. Here is another name, not just Emmanuel, not just Advent, not just Christmas, but a name fit for travel, darkness, and fears. It is a name spattered with the blood of history. It is a name that fits in a manger. It is a name that cries out for response. It is a winter name, a name in the dark, a name that sends a fierce cold wind across the unbroken heart, and we feel the chill. It is a name also that burns a bright flame for every kind of love. It warms us. It is a name that charms fears, opens prisons, brings music of life and health and peace. The Mathean angel gives another name, particular, not universal. A name that means one thing, not everything. A hedgehog name, not a fox name. A name that is above every name. Whose birth do we celebrate anyway? His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus is a personal name. The angel voice of the Lord gives a sermon, interprets, and the angel replaces Emmanuel and gives the name Jesus, which means being translated he will save. God saves. Mary did not give birth to the object of an airy belief in the general proposition that God is with us somehow, somewhere, anyhow, anywhere. She bore a son, Jesus, who saves from sin. This is a different, strange, stern name. It has personal, profound meaning for you and me. The name means bluntly that God enters your life to get you free from your besetting sin. Not in trees, dreams, boats, words, or committees, but in person. He will save his people from their sin. And you will know him. We will know him if he be known at all, as he saves us, as he saves you, Christ was born to save. To save a globe from the sin of climate exhaustion, to save a world from the sin of nuclear holocaust, to save a nation from the sin of pride, to save a generation from the sin of greed, to save a church from the sin of self-congratulation, to save a man from alcohol, a woman from suicide, a boy from drugs, 
a girl from opioids, a family from disaster, to save his people from their sin, to save souls, to set us on the road to heaven. Angel voice, such is the name of Jesus, such is the name of Jesus, a name that cries out for response, a name that cries out for a people who can acknowledge and confess their sin, who learn the necessity of saying please, thank you, and I'm sorry. Can we become that kind of people? A people who name God not everything, but one thing, the way to freedom from bondage. Can we become that kind of people? A people who can share this, that there is a transforming friendship through which all manner of entrapment finally dies. And it is a lifelong process. And it is through that process of a gradually deepening friendship with Jesus Christ in person that he saves us, saves his people from our sin. Can this friendship be ours? The angel voice commends its path to you. He whom Isaiah called Emmanuel, the angel further named or renamed Jesus. Strange, difficult, stern. The wondrous news from the darkness if you can hear and believe an angel, is not just that God is with us, but that God truly is for us. The wondrous news from the darkness, if we can hear and believe an angel, is not just that God is with us, but that truly God is for us. Amen.
We now come to the time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. for Christ, let us pray for the church, the world, and all in need. I will end each petition with Lord in your mercy, and the response is, hear our prayer. Hear your church, O God, as we pray for all who belong to Jesus Christ. Where the church is scorned, preserve it. Where the church is privileged, grant it humility. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Hear your earth, O God, as we pray for its healing and care. Protect the grapevine and the mighty cedar, the mountains and seas, and all that is in them. Give life that we that life may all life may call on your name. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear the nations, O God, as we pray for those who hold power and authority over people and lands. Help those who create and uphold good laws and those working to reform what is unjust, that the world might better reflect your grace. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear those in need, O God, as we pray for all who face uncertainty refugees and immigrants, those who are imprisoned, and those without work, housing, food, or health care. Bring good news to all in need of hope. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear this community of faith, O God, as we pray for families and friends who gather in this season for travelers and hosts, for those who will work or serve others this Christmas. Let the peace of Emmanuel, God with us, shine in every heart. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Hear all who mourn, O God, as we remember the lives of our beloved dead. Encourage the living to learn from our ancestors in faith as we follow your call 
Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. You hear the cries of our hearts, O Lord. Fill us with hopeful expectation that in each day and hour we may love and serve our neighbors. In Jesus' name. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. Speaking of the coming week, uh, classes now having concluded here at Boston University for the fall term of 2019, uh, our regularly scheduled programs and activities here at Marsh Chapel have also concluded. Moreover, beginning at 1 o'clock on Tuesday, Boston University will be closed for intercession and reopening again on January 2nd. However, we here at Marsh Chapel are still here for services, both on Tuesday, Christmas Eve. We invite you to join us at 1 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. for Christmas Eve services, and we will be here at our, at our usual time, 11 a.m. next Sunday, December 29th. So in spite of the fact of the university being closed, Marsh Chapel is warm and open. That said, there's not much else to announce. So, as the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on G.R. Woodward's poem, Ding Dong Merrily on High, set by Mac Wahlberg. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
creator of the universe, who gives us courage and fills us with hope. Use our charitable gifts for your purposes for this community so that we can continue to be a heart for the heart of the city and a service in the service of the city. Through Christ, the Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Flocks were sleeping, shepherds keeping vigil till the morning knew, saw the glory, heard the story, tidings of a gospel true. Thus rejoicing, free from sorrow, 
praise his voicing, greet the morrow. Christ the babe is born for you. <laughs>